Every year, at the beginning of the year, uh, I like to uh, kind of introduce a theme for the year. Uh, last year in 2019, we had the theme of stepping out and stepping up. And, st and what that meant was we were stepping out in faith and we were stepping up in volunteering. And I'm here to tell you, you guys did amazing at both of those things. When it came to stepping out in faith and stepping up in volunteering, you guys were amazing in 2019. We had record-setting offerings for the year, uh, and it was just incredible to see how God used those funds that have been given. Uh, we've added staff. Uh, we have uh, added full-time staff. Uh, we have done more ministry uh, than we've ever done before. It's just been an incredible, incredible 2019 here at GFCC. But not only did you step out in faith uh, in your giving, but you also stepped up in your volunteering. And our children's ministry has awesome volunteers. Uh, our worship ministry has great volunteers. Um, uh, the ministry center has all kinds of volunteers, just tons of volunteers who come and, and uh, serve there. And it's just incredible to see how God has worked through you and your generosity and through your sacrifices of time, talent, and treasure uh, to do incredible things here in Northwest Indiana for Jesus. And, and so I, I just, I'm so proud. I couldn't be more proud to be uh, on staff here at GFCC. Uh, it's incredible uh, to be able to be a part of what God is doing here. Um, I have been a, a pastor now uh, since 1997. So I got ordained in May of 97. So I've been doing this for a while, almost 23 years. And uh, these last uh, 12 and a half, 13 years here at GFCC have been incredible. Uh, it's been amazing to see what God has done. And I'm just, I, I'm, I'm humbled uh, to be your, your fellow servant um, and to work alongside you uh, to see lives transformed and, and lives changed for Jesus. Um, and, and it's just, I, I just love you guys so much. And, and I thank you uh, for letting me be your pastor. Um, so when it comes to, uh, you know, what God wants to do next, um, I, I'm really excited. You know, the last year has been incredible. Uh, the last 10 years have been amazing. Uh, we have uh, added 300 people on a weekend since 10 years ago. If you were here last week, uh, I gave you a bunch of statistics about how our church has grown in the last 10 years. Um, if, you, if you weren't here for it, <coughs> you can see that message online at our website, gfcc.net. Just click on Watch a Sermon, and you'll find it there. Excuse me for one second. <coughs> Excuse me. And so I uh, just encourage you, check out last weekend's message um, and, and kind of get up to date with everything that God has been doing here at GFCC. Uh, but like I said, just a, a real quick synopsis. We added 300 people in the last 10 years. Offerings have more than doubled in the last 10 years. Probably had about 300 baptisms in the last 10 years. And just it's just been a ridiculous uh, decade here at GFCC. But not just a ridiculous decade. It's been a ridiculous century. Because here in 2020, we are going to celebrate our 100th anniversary here in Griffith. And so it's, it's just awesome to see that God has done so much and, and seen so many lives transformed and changed uh, in the hundred years that, that GFCC has been here. And my hope and my prayer is that a hundred years from now, the, the people who are worshiping, uh, maybe not in this building, maybe in a different building, who knows what the future holds, God knows. Um, but wherever they are, wherever Griffith First Christian Church is, and whatever that looks like, that those people worshiping at that time will look back on 100 years to 2020 and say, you know what? Those folks were committed to, to following Jesus and to helping people follow Jesus. And those folks, you know, 
sacrificed their time and they sacrificed it in volunteering and they sacrificed their talents and their treasure and they did everything they could to reach out to people who didn't know Jesus and and I just look forward to it to, to seeing well, none of us will be here then so we you know but we'll be watching from heaven I think maybe like on a big screen or something like that you know and we'll be like how can they do that in church you know we never back in my day anyway um <laughs> Whatever it looks like, it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be because of what we're doing now. Because of what we're doing here in 2020. We're going to finish up this little series, little two-part series that we started last week called What's Next 2020. And last week we talked about how God has been moving the last year, 10 years, and 100 years. And this week we're going to talk about how God is going to move in the next year and in the next decade and, and what he expects of us as his people here at GFCC. Uh, we're going to look at a passage of scripture from the book of Ephesians. Now the book of Ephesians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches in the city of Ephesus. Now Ephesus was a major, majorly important city in the Mediterranean. In fact, at one point, it was the most important city in the Mediterranean area. Um, it was a large city. It was a major trade route. Uh, it was a port city. And so there were people coming and going all the time. It was a Gentile city. There was not a large Jewish population there. Uh, but not only that, um, but it was kind of a religious city. But they didn't worship the one true God. They worshiped the Greek and Roman gods. Uh, in fact, they had a temple built there for the goddess Artemis. And this temple was huge. In fact, it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was four times the size of the Parthenon. You've all seen the Parthenon. You've seen pictures of the Parthenon and how big it is. The Temple of Artemis was four times that size, which is incredible to think about. I mean, that's a really big temple. Like I said, it was a very uh, religious city, but not necessarily the, the, God, the, the one true God. It was the gods of, of Greece and Rome that they worshipped. So it was there that a church was planted, uh, and Paul was writing a letter to the church to address some of their issues and things that were going on there, and about how we're supposed to live as Christians. Um, the first half of the book of Ephesians is very theological. It's a lot of why we believe and what we believe. And then the second half of the book is very practical. It's how we live because of what we believe. It's how we live because of, of our faith. So the first half is about faith. The second half is about how we live. Now, right at the end of the first half of the book, at the end of chapter 3, Paul prays a very powerful prayer for the Ephesians, and I believe for us too. And so he prays this powerful prayer that leads into this second half of the book, like I said, which is very practical. And so we're going to look at that prayer of Paul today in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. If you brought a Bible... Grab your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. If you didn't bring one, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 948 of that Bible. Or you can follow along on the GFCC app. If you haven't gotten the app yet, you can uh, take your smartphone out and search for GFCC in your app store. Uh, and you'll find the app there. Uh, and uh, you can follow along with the sermon and take sermon notes. Uh, you can share them on social media, all kinds of things. So create an account in the app. Uh, you can give your tithes and offerings. It's very handy. Uh, <clears throat> so we are in Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to take this passage in three little pieces. So first we're going to start in verse 14. Uh, a prayer for the Ephesians. Uh, Paul says this. <clears throat> for this reason, I kneel before the Father 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, Paul begins this passage with the words, for this reason. And so when we see that, we need to find out, okay, what is the reason Paul is writing these words? What is the reason Paul is praying this prayer? And so we look back, we look at the previous passage of scripture uh, in Ephesians 3, 1 through 13 to see what is the reason. And here's the thing, Paul doesn't give us the reason. See, Paul had something kind of like spiritual ADD. He would be like, okay, so I'm going to say this, and then, oh, wait a minute, i got to say this, and then, oh, i got to say this too. And he would eventually get back to the point he was originally trying to make. So at the beginning of chapter 3, in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, for this reason, and then he says something completely different. And then in chapter 3, verse 14, he says, for this reason, and he finally gets around to the reason for why he's praying the prayer. So you got to go all the way back to chapter 2 to find the reason that Paul said, for this reason. And what he's talking about is a mystery. He explains this as a, the mystery of God. And the mystery of God uh, is how God was going to take people, the Gentiles, who were not his people, who were the Jews. He's going to take people who were not his people, the Gentiles, and make them part of his family. And Paul says this is a mystery that God would choose people who were not his people to be his people. Say that five times fast. So Paul says... Uh, for this reason, for, because of this mystery, because God is going to include you in his family, it is by, and in chapter 2 he says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. So we are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus by believing in him, turning away from sin and repentance, confessing your faith and getting baptized, in that moment God makes you a part of his family. He forgives all your sins and washes them away. And God makes you, like I said, part of his family. Now, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, we are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't be good enough for it. You can't follow the law enough. You can't follow the Ten Commandments enough. You can't follow the 613 commands of the Old Testament enough. You can't do it on your own. You need God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Now, Paul says, for this reason, because of this mystery that has saved the Gentiles, I kneel before the Father and I pray this prayer. And he prays a powerful prayer for faith. Now the Greek word, the New Testament is written in ancient Greek. The ancient Greek word for power is the word dunamis. And it is the word from which we get our word dynamite. So Paul prays for power for the Ephesians. That they would have this powerful faith. That Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. And, and he says, uh, my prayer is that you would have this power. And like I said, it's like dynamite. And he uses this word a couple more times uh, here in Ephesians 3. We'll get to that in just a second. So the first thing you got to know is that Paul is praying a powerful prayer for faith. That the, the Ephesians would have a deeper faith. Okay. Uh, and so, and then he says this in the second half of verse 17, he says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. There's that word again, that dunamis word again, may have power with all of God's whole, with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure 
of all the fullness of God. So he prays a prayer, a powerful prayer for faith and a powerful prayer for understanding. He wants them to have power to understand just how much God loves us, how much Jesus loves us. Because he says it takes all of the power of God. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes dynamite power just to be able to somehow grasp and understand the love of Christ. That you can't, in your finite mind, you cannot grasp the infinite love of Christ. In your limited capacity, you can't understand the unlimited love of Christ. In your powerlessness, you need power to be able to understand the powerful love of Jesus Christ. That Jesus loves you, and he loves me, and he loves us so much that we can't even begin to grasp it. We can't even begin to understand it. This unconditional, unlimited, unselfish love of Jesus. That without the power of God, we would have no way of being able to even possibly come close to understanding the love of Christ that is ours. So Jesus loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. He will never stop loving you. He will never give up on you. He will never turn his back on you. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. And he will never, ever stop loving you. And, and Paul wants you to know. He wants me to know. He wanted the Ephesians to know. He wants us to know. This incredible, unlimited love of Jesus Christ. How high it is. And how deep it is. And how long it is. And how wide it is. That his love, Jesus' love, is so huge and ginormous that you just can't even grasp it. And that is the love that sent him to the cross, that took him to the cross. That Jesus would rather go to the cross and suffer uh, and die on the cross with nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And he would rather uh, go through a scourging and a flogging and a beating. And he would rather bear the, the, the mocking and the scorn of the crowds. And he would rather die than live without us forever. He would rather suffer and die for you and me than live without us forever. And he went to the cross to die for you and me so that we could spend forever with him. And now we have that hope because of the love of Christ. My favorite concept in all of scripture is the love of God. And I love talking about God's love because it's so amazing. It's so much different than our love because our love tends to be conditional. Our love tends to be fickle. It's like, yeah, you wake up on the wrong side of the bed and it's like, I don't feel like loving you today. And she'll look at you and go, yeah, me neither. Great. Going to be one of them kinds of days. Any of you ever had those kinds of days? I'm looking to see if anyone in the back has their hand up. No, just me? Just me? Okay. Sorry. Our love tends to be very fickle and conditional. But God's love, not fickle, unconditional. He will never stop loving you. And I want you to know that today. That this love goes beyond your ability to understand it or comprehend it. And it's all yours. It's all yours. Paul concludes this passage by talking about a powerful prayer for more. So he has a powerful prayer for faith, a powerful prayer for understanding of God's love, and a powerful prayer for more. Check this out, verse 20 and 21. Now to him 
who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, there's that word again, power, that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. So Paul wanted them not only to have a deeper faith, he didn't just want them to understand God's love in a deeper way, but he also wanted them to have more. He says, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Now, I can imagine an awful lot. And I can ask for a a whole lot. And Paul says that God can do immeasurably more than all Sean can ask or imagine. He can do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine for his purposes in his kingdom, in his church. God can do immeasurably more. The Greek word for more is the word Huper. And the word huper is the word from which we get our word hyper. And so and it means more. It means above. So like when someone is hyperactive, maybe you know someone who's hyperactive. Maybe one of your kids is hyperactive. Um, we see them running around here every weekend, right? Um, but, you know, it means more than active. It means beyond active. You know what I'm talking about now. But that's where this word comes from. Immeasurably more Then all we can ask or imagine, God is able to do more. And that's why our theme for 2020 is the year of more. Now, don't get me wrong. When we think about more, we tend to think about what we get. More money, more clothes, more houses, more land, more cars, more stuff. That's not what the year of more is about here at GFCC. The year of more... Is about not what we can get, but about what we can give. It's not about what we're going to get from God. It's what we're going to give to God. Not about what we can get from Jesus. It's about what we're going to give to Jesus. We are going to give more. Now, I'm not talking about offerings. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the heart. And so there are three ways that we are going to experience the year of more here at GFCC this year. Uh, First is more devotion. We are going to experience more devotion. Folks, I mean this, and it's hard to hear, and it's, it's even hard to preach. Jesus Christ has to be number one in our lives. Jesus Christ has to be number one in our lives. Jesus has to be over, more important, number one, king of your heart, sitting on the throne of your heart. Jesus has to be king. Jesus has to be Lord over every area of your life. Uh, He's got to be more important than your spouse, more important than your husband or your wife. And I know some days that's easier than others. But Jesus has to be more important than your spouse. He's got to be more important than your kids. You're like, wait a minute, I love my kids. I'm not telling you you can't love your kids. You've got to love Jesus more. Because Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life, and there's no way to get to heaven except through him. Your kids can't take you to heaven. Your parents can't take you to heaven. Your spouse can't take you to heaven. They can put you through something else, but they can't take you to heaven. Only Jesus can get you into heaven. And that's why he has to be number one. And if we're going to make Jesus number one, if we're going to make Jesus the, the number one place in our lives, and we're going to have more devotion in our lives, that means we got to lead other people to Jesus. we got to lead our families to Jesus. You need to lead your kids to Jesus. Don't teach your children, and you lead them by example. Don't teach your children that Jesus is an afterthought. Unless you want them to believe that heaven is an afterthought. Don't 
don't let your kids miss out on heaven because you're teaching them that Jesus isn't important. Lead by example. Show your kids that Jesus is number one in your life and Jesus will be number one in their life. Because, I mean, we can look at it, we can just say, you know, uh, we can give lip service to, to heaven and hell, but if we really believe that heaven is real, and if we really believe that hell is real, and that people who don't know Jesus really go there, if we believe that, then Jesus has got to be number one in our lives, and got to be number one in everyone else's lives. we got to get out there and share the love of Christ with everyone so that they will come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Because I don't, I don't want anyone to miss out on heaven. I don't want anyone to miss out on it. And like I said last week, there's probably somewhere in the range of about 30,000 people in, North, in, in Griffith and Highland, just in Griffith and Highland, who, who may not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 30,000 people. We had a job to do. And it starts in our own lives with more devotion to Jesus Christ. Secondly, we need more discernment. This is an understanding component. We need to discern what is best. Not what is good, but what is great. Not what is second best or third best, but what is best. We need to discern what is absolutely best. And I'm here to tell you, the love of Jesus is the best. The love of Christ is the best. And we need to, like Paul said, we need to understand better how much Jesus loves us. Because when Jesus when we get how much Jesus loves us, we're going to share that with others. It needs to overflow out of us. It needs to be abundant in our lives and just bursting out of us. That we love like Jesus loved. And Jesus loved everybody. He loved sinners. He loved people who didn't think they were sinners. He loved the self-righteous. He loved the unrighteous. Uh, he loved uh, those who loved him. He loved his enemies. Jesus loved everybody. And as a church, we need to discern what is best, which is God's love. And we need to love everyone, everybody, regardless of where they live, regardless of how they vote, regardless of the car they drive, regardless if they're living high in the hog or underneath it, we're going to love everybody in Jesus's name. That's what we're called to do. And when we discern what is best, which is the love of God, when we discern God's love in our own lives, it's going to burst forth out of us and out of our church into our community. And we have done, I'm telling you, we've done such a better job of this over the last, I, I've been here, like I said, almost 13 years. And over the last 13 years, I have seen the love of this congregation grow for one another in the church and for our community outside the church. And there, we can do more. 2020, the year of more. We need more devotion in our own lives, more devotion to Jesus. We need more discernment to discern what is best and not settle for the, for the good, but to strive for what is great. And finally, we need more desire. And that desire that we have to have as a church is for people to come to know Jesus Christ. We have to have a, a desire, more desire for people to put their faith and trust in Jesus, more desire for, for God's kingdom to grow. And that desire within us has to be so strong that we go and, and tell everybody everywhere that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, that Jesus is the life, and that there's no way to get to heaven except through him. That desire within us has to grow, and we need more desire for Jesus and more desire to see the lost come to know him, for the lost to be found.
Like I said, Jesus is the way. There's no other way besides him. And if we will get serious about this, if we will devote ourselves to Jesus and make him number one, if we will discern what is best and not settle for, for, settle for the good and instead strive for the great, and if we will have more desire, if we will desire the things of God more than the things of this world, we're going to change this world. We're going to change our communities. We are going to change this region. And we can do it. You know, probably about six, seven years ago, I sat on this stage with some friends of mine, and, and we talked about what direction we were going to go in as a church. And we heard some things that were very hard to hear. We talked about vision and mission and what we were doing as a church and why it wasn't working in the direction that we needed to head in. And we sat on this stage. It didn't look like this then, but, it, but we sat on this stage eating pizza. And we said, you know what? It's never going to happen. I mean, it's a nice thought. It's a nice thought, you know, thinking that our church might grow and, you know, we wanted to double in size and, and it's a nice thought. But it's never going to happen. I said to myself, it's like climbing Mount Everest. And there's no way, I'm standing at the base of this mountain, I feel like there's no way we'll ever climb it. We're too stuck in our ways. No, we, we, nobody wants to change. Nobody wants to, to get serious about reaching the lost. And so we're just going to kind of bebop along and just kind of be the same church we've always been for the next 10 years, 20 years, and if we're, if we're still around, maybe 30 years. And that's when God said, nope, GFCC, for you, there's more. And we started to make some changes. We started to get serious about our mission. We started to get serious about making disciples of all nations. And sure enough, the church started to grow. And grow. And grow. And it hasn't stopped. It's been an adventure. There have been ups and downs. Kind of like a roller coaster. But guess what? I love roller coasters. And I love you. And I love this community. And I love this region. I grew up here. And I want to see everybody come to know Jesus. Because I love you. And I love them. And our church loves them. So hang on tight, guys. Keep your arms and feet inside the car at all times. And hang on. Because it's going to be an adventure. And the year of more begins now.